Hello, friends. Welcome back to Homeschool Minnesota. I'm Dale Annand, your host for this podcast. Um, I am reintroducing my friend Rochelle Ruiz again. Hi, Rochelle. Hey, Dale. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Welcome back. Um, for those of you who um, are either maybe just joining us or or just, um, I just want to remind you who Rochelle is. Rochelle is a, a wife, a mom, a homeschooling mom. She's an author. She's a singer-songwriter. Um, she just is does a lot of things, and she's just an incredible person to get to know. I get to call her my friend, which yes. is my favorite thing. <laughs> and, um, anyways, um, today we're going to talk a little bit more about the conversations that we've started uh, a few days back. Mm -hmm. And um, today we're going to focus on just a couple other things that have to do with our feelings and emotions. Rochelle has written um, two books, working on some more things um, that I'll let her share about a little bit. But um, she's uh, um, working on Think of Good Things and Gotta Give It to God. Those are her two books. And I will put the link in the description of this podcast so you can find them. I encourage you to go look at them. They are wonderful. Um, really good books for teaching children about their feelings and emotions and how to healthy, be healthy with them and how to process them. So welcome, Rochelle. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that, Dale. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah. so tell me a little bit about, um, we're going to talk about last podcast. We got, got a little heavy, but it was good. We needed to, cause we needed to set up for today talking about processing. So walking out what you've been talking about. Sure. Yeah. And you specifically mentioned that you would want me to address the topic of discipline. Yes. I think um, we're talking this summer series about setting ourselves up for success. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we need to discuss for that is discipline. What does that look like in a practical way? And, and we all know that there's so many ways to discipline and so many, but I just wanted to talk to Rochelle about, um, a healthy, a good way, a healthy, emotionally healthy way to, to address discipline to our children and to ourselves, because yes. we also need to discipline ourselves as well, right? It doesn't just, it's not just we have it all together when we become adults, right? <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge topic. Thank you for trusting me with this. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, hey. Well, I we all have our things, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, it was really there were many different directions I could have gone in with this. Uh, you know, took some time to pray about it, and I think I'm going to just share a bit, like I've done the last couple sessions, but about my journey, my husband and I, you know, our journey, and how we landed on our parenting and discipline style for our family. Okay, um, that's great. So discipline means to make disciples of or to train. And Proverbs 22, 6 mentions the importance of training a child in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not turn from it or some translations say um, depart from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that verse can kind of give... um, some fear and trembling to us as parents, right? I mean, a little bit, about, yeah. you know, like we, we actually have the ability to impact an entire generation and future generations 
by how we choose to train or discipline our children. Right. So, you know, that could be good or bad. And of course we really wanted it to be good. And as I mentioned in the previous session, I really believe that all parents want it to be good. Absolutely. Uh, but, but knowing this, uh, we decided it was really important not to just wing it as parents. Uh, we felt it was necessary to ask ourselves a couple questions. How did we want to parent? And then specifically, how did we want to discipline or train our, our children? Um, so how did we want to parent and how did we want to discipline or, or train our children? So those, those are big questions that actually took us years to answer. We were married seven years before, before we had our first child. Um, some of our answers actually changed based on the personalities of our children and, yeah. and their ages. But um, I think I landed on some things that stayed pretty consistent for us that I want to share today in regards to our parenting and discipline style. So I'm awesome. hoping that, <laughs> you know, some of the listeners will, you know, might give them some ideas or tools for their, their family in school. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is not like saying one is better than the other or anything like that. It's, it's talking about parenting and, and just discipline is, is, um, I, I just had the benefit of watching Rochelle parent her girls. I'm just going to be very honest. <laughs> and, and, and I watched her and John Paul and how they did that. And I, I just wanted, you know, when it came time to talk about this topic, that is who I wanted to talk about it because I think, you know, they were the kind of parents that even if it cost them something, they were going to be consistent mm. and they were going, whatever discipline style they chose to do was what they were going to be consistent in. And their girls knew their boundaries. They knew what to expect. You could see it on their little faces when they knew they did something they shouldn't do. Like, Oh, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't like a fear. It was more of a, like, I, Oh, I caught myself doing what I know. I, I, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. And, and it was, it was, it, it was never a fear thing with them. It was always a reconciliation thing. Mm. They wanted reconciliation. And so I wanted to just have you talk and share about your style. Yes. Okay. Um, so John Paul and I decided that, you know, we wanted to train and discipline I'm having a hard time talking today. <laughs> Have a little more coffee. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you do this live with no edits. Um. <laughs> I don't edit, Rochelle. <laughs> I told you, I don't even know how. Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> um, Keeping it real. That's right. That's right. Okay, so we wanted to train and discipline our children with love. Okay, that yes. sounds like pretty basic, but. You know, love looks like something, you know, and we wanted to have an idea or a guide for ourselves for what that was. And we ended up using 1 Corinthians 13 as our foundational chapter. And I'm sure most of our listeners have read through it if, or even just part of it. If you've been to a wedding, you heard it. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. And that sounds easy yep. before you get married. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you bring people into your life. That's, That's right. 
hold me patient. Right. That's right. <laughs> it sounds easy before you have children when things are, you know, just pretty mellow. But, you know, when it's challenging, it's yeah. good to be reminded, hey, be patient, be kind. And there are some great verses in this chapter on what love is. And so that's why we kind of made it our anchor, our foundation. But verse seven, if you just look at that, it's really challenging. So love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perceveres. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And of course, it makes me refer back to the last session where it's really important that as parents, we know how to take care of ourselves so we can show up 100% for our kids. But, you know, to, to be able to always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere, we need some things in place for ourselves. Uh, parenting is, in my opinion, the hardest job in the world. Oh, amen. Amen. Can we just take a moment to all resoundly say amen to that one? <laughs> your deep thighs but um, <laughs> but we did our best to be parents who in our discipline protected them trusted that they could actually make good choices uh, we tried to create a hope-filled home a place that no matter how difficult things got we would persevere we'd be there for them um, yeah so you know for us training and love meant that they would know we believed in them for them and not against them. And God is the best example to us for that. Uh, obviously, by how he's shown his love to us. I love Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And who hasn't found great strength in knowing that God is for them? Yeah. I mean, even before humanity made terrible choices, which caused consequences of sin and separation, God had in place a way back to him. And so, you know, that's something to really consider in a family environment. You know, if our kids know that we're for them, and then even when they make mistakes, there's, there are ways to clean up their messes and, and make their way back to a place where they have their peace and where they made it right. So, um, yeah. So in, in our family, we tried to have an environment where even when we had to address a behavioral issue, they knew we were for them and wanted the best outcome for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, studies show that children who know they are loved and have at least one person in their life that they know without a doubt that that person believes in them, then these children can make it through the most challenging circumstances. And uh, even, even though my parents weren't perfect, I knew they loved me. That's right. I knew they did. And that really helped me get through some of the darkest times in my life. Um, so moving on for my husband and I, training and love meant having a home environment where it was safe for them to be vulnerable, to be tender and sensitive. A child who is sensitive or has a tender heart towards others tend to be sensitive when they make mistakes. They're sensitive to the fact that their choices may have hurt others or their choices may have consequences for themselves. So we wanted them to feel safe to be vulnerable and even come to us when they had blown it and be able to admit that and feel safe to ask us for help with making things right. Yeah. So that was kind of number one. Number two um, in our home, 
We wanted to train our children in an environment that set them up for success. Yeah. Right. So our goal wasn't to catch them doing bad things or making bad choices. Our goal was to try to create an environment that in every way possible, set them up to make great choices. Children thrive in certain environments. Each child has slightly different things they need in order to thrive, but um, we wanted to get to know each child and, you know, know what their needs were in order to avoid meltdowns and to avoid behavioral issues that can come when their needs aren't being met. Exactly. Um, And so for our family, setting them up for success meant, uh, for example, making sure that our day was structured in a way that worked for their personalities. They know what to expect when they wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it helped us avoid emotional meltdowns or yep. major behavioral issues. So for us, I'm just throwing these out here again, hoping that it might give some ideas to the listeners. But we actually moved through our day with stations and time slots in mind. You know, I had, I had um, volunteered in, I had helped and worked in schools. I was very young and I saw that the, um, you know, the public and private school situations that worked well were the situations where teachers had structured the day. It just kept things moving and kept things interesting for the students. So I wanted to apply that. We, um, you know, moved through our day with stations and time slots. So for example, each station had a certain time frame. We found that um, this really had the best result in for, for a lot of different reasons. It helped me as an educator because then on the days when I really lacked energy or I wasn't feeling well, or I lacked ambition, all I had to do was follow what I yes. all I had to do was follow out what I had laid out for us. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't just for them. It was it was great for for me. Um, or if you got distracted because something, I mean, things happen in our day. We get yeah. that that phone call that it's like, oh my gosh, I've really got to take care of this. Things can keep moving, right? Yeah. So we usually did subjects that needed the most focus the first thing in the morning when we all were rested and ready for our day. You know, usually for us, that was math. So for example, when we were doing math, we were usually at the table in the kitchen, which was also near the computer. So my older child could be working on her, you know, the computer for her math while at the table working with manipulatives and maybe a notebook with my younger child. But, um, You know, so then after we were done with math, we would move to another area. And sometimes like we would move our subjects, let's say outside to the deck. So we grab pillows and blankets and do like language arts outside in fresh air while we're, you know, getting our work done. Yeah. Um, My youngest had an endless amount of energy. So (laughs) (laughs) I love her. I know. I know. What a good. She was to us and still is. Um, so it was always beneficial to schedule in like 10 to 50 minute times to hop on their bikes or skateboard, uh, you know, get some energy out before moving into subjects that might require them to focus or sit for any length of time. Um, so that, that was helpful. At the end of our morning subjects, we might take advantage of it's lunch time. So we're going to use measuring cups and spoons and, and grab a recipe and bake something together. Yeah, You know, just keeping it interesting, moving things along, uh, you know, helped with behavioral issues and just really avoided boredom. Kids that are bored tend to have behavioral issues. So yep. um, that was really important to us. And I know that listeners will be 
you know, they have their own style of parenting and, and teaching and their their children have their own learning styles. So these might not apply to you, but this worked for us. Right. Um, my husband liked to be involved in our school. So, and, and it was good that our family tended to be late night people. So often we would save our science projects or experiments for after dinner that we could do with him. So, yeah. you know, but we kind of moved through our day, keeping it interesting and, and keeping them from being bored and, um, and keeping them engaged. So again, why am I sharing about our schedule when we're talking about this? <laughs> we scheduled like our day like this, again, to keep them engaged and to limit behavioral issues. And this, this really helped us. Um, next, our- yeah, can, I just, can I just real quick break in with a question? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Rochelle, how, like, say, how did you see, did you ever have a days where, where the schedule just fell apart? Oh, absolutely. And what did you, what, how did you manage that when that happened? Yeah. Good question. I mean, knowing we were moving through our subjects on a regular basis gave, gave us the time and the opportunity that when things were falling apart, we could just stop. In fact, we even... We usually did school, a, a school schedule that was Monday through Thursday, which left mm -hmm. for like field trips or picking up subjects that, um, you know, we had missed because of these moments that came. And actually, this is the benefit of homeschooling. Is, yep. Let's say your child is having a meltdown or nothing's working. You know, you're not connecting with your kids. Yeah. There, there are different things that we did. Sometimes we just put the work down and just went outside and played. Uh, laughter was huge. So we had our favorite comedian that was, you know, he's a faith-based comedian that we, if, if, if it was going badly, yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. were not connecting stop, and we pull up one of our favorite, you know, videos of this comedian, we'd end up just like laughing um, and taking some time. And so I had set up even the week in a way where, uh, we could connect, we could stop, we could, we could lay it down and pick it up at another time. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how we handled it. Yeah. Being yeah. Okay. And that was one of our goals was connection. If we yeah. weren't connecting, it was more important for us to set it down and try and deal with it than yeah. to move along and plow through and hate learning. Cause that was another goal of ours, which was the love of learning. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to pound subjects into them and have them hate every moment of school, right? For sure, yeah. <laughs> so um, it was important to us that they loved learning and that they felt connected with us. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so setting up our kids for success, uh, moving along meant making sure they knew what was expected of them. You mentioned that already, Dale. Uh, yeah. As adults in our work environment, we need to know what's expected of us in order to do our jobs well. And it's yeah. the same for our children and our, our and our homeschool. Yeah. And some students actually more than other stu students, they really need to know what to expect each day. And by knowing that, they have much more peace. Yeah. So, if you have a child who is like on the spectrum, you might have to multiple times during the day just kind of you know. Okay, so for break your day into morning, afternoon, and evening. Mm -hmm. So for this morning, this is what you can expect. And then after lunch, hey, now for the afternoon, this is, and, and um, you do have to kind of break it down for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For our school year, 
as you mentioned in our first session together, you had mentioned, you know, you basically to get through your year, you just need to know what you need to do every week and every month. And eventually you're going to get through your subjects for the year. Right. So on the days we were kind of formally sitting down and moving through subjects that were timed, like I already mentioned, I created schedules for each of our kids for each day of the week. Um, the schedule was laminated so they could mark off each subject with a dry erase pen when they were done. We also had like a list of chores that they needed to do or help with daily and that was also laminated. So yeah. that just helped them to know what to expect and if they wanted to, they could work ahead actually. Yeah. You know, that gave them the opportunity just like sometimes we as adults want to do. We want to we wanna work ahead and get our work done and then have some free time. So that be micromanaged. Yeah, yeah. So they gave them the opportunity to do that. Um, setting our kids up for success meant having family norms for our house. Um, you know, that they, they were posted on our wall that weren't yeah. for us, but for our kids. And, you know, norms like love each other. <laughs> yeah. But we had a poster of 1 Corinthians 13 as our foundational verse. Um, yeah. Norms like put ups instead of put downs. And yep. sure that we say nice things about others and about ourselves. Or if you have something that you want to say, like one thing that I remember teaching kids, and I, I, I've, I've watched you do this with your girls too, but just, you know, there, what you want to say, maybe there is something you need to talk to somebody about that's difficult, but it's how you do it. Mm -hmm. You can do it in a way that is like, you know, as a child, we just go for the, you know, you're mean or you're this, you're that. And it's like, but when you get a little older, you realize, okay, so if I say, I noticed that when we do this, that this is the reaction I get from you. Or when I say this, can you tell me why? Or, you know, just mm -hmm. ways to be able to say, I love you so much, but when you do this, it hurts my feelings. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. There's also times where you can acknowledge, for example, they're frustrated or angry, and it might not be a good time to dive into that. Right. That's just, that's something that we want our kids to understand because when they become adults or in their workplace, you can't have meltdowns all the time. You, right. you, have, have, you have to be able to manage your emotions and process them at the right time. And so there yeah. were just some times where it was, wow, I hear you're really upset with your sister or you sound very frustrated. Let's bring that up later. You know, yeah. Let's have a moment to chat through that later. Uh, yeah. My little granddaughter, she's three years old. And when she gets very frustrated, she stops and she looks at everybody and she walks out of there and she goes, and she waves her little hand. I just need a minute. Yes. <laughs> and she goes and puts herself on timeout. Yeah. And then she comes back out so when she's ready to talk. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. That's so. Yeah. Yeah. She's just funny. Anyway. But anyway, we had our norms, you know, ask for help when you needed those sort of things. Um, in our home, setting up our kids for success meant knowing what their physical needs were. This is so important um, because if we know what their physical needs were, then we can teach them how to take care of themselves. Yes. So that they can be at their best. And so this really uh, helped them in, as, as children, but also as adults. So, you know, asking questions like, were they hungry? Yeah. You know, when and what kind of food did they need to eat? Were they thirsty? Did they need more rest? Some kids need more hours of sleep than others. And one of my yeah. closest friends, she started homeschooling because her daughter had a condition where 
she needed to have at least 10 hours of sleep every night and the public school schedule just didn't work for them. Yeah. Um, she found that she could get through school much quicker in the homeschool environment and her daughter was able to get the sleep that she needed. But it's unfair to expect our kids to behave well when they're exhausted. Exactly. We don't behave well when we're exhausted. Right. Why would we expect them? Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, other questions like were there food allergies and ingredients in foods that, you know, they needed to avoid. So this was a definite yes in our family. We learned the hard way that uh, it was important <laughs> to avoid sugar, food yeah. coloring, and all preservatives. Our, our children would go from compliant cooperative, sweet, obedient children to Tasmanian devils when they were, <laughs> when they just were just give them a Twinkie and see what happens. It's not pretty. <laughs> when they were ingesting the wrong foods, you know, we had major behavioral issues. Yeah. And so, you know, we had to be careful about all these things and, yeah. you know, helping them to be at their best physically, you know, had they been sitting too long and needed to get some energy out physically. Yeah they you know that's important to know so yeah so just kind of review we you know we wanted to train and discipline our children in love we wanted to train our children in an environment that set them up for success and lastly um because it was our responsibility to train our children children well we needed to have lots of parenting tools in our toolbox yeah right if we wanted to raise up our children in a way that was good. And so when they didn't depart from it, it blessed future generations. We, we had to have parenting tools. Yes. Um, you know, for, for our family, my husband and I decided we weren't going to use spanking as a form of discipline. You mm -hmm. know, everybody has, gets to choose what they, how they want to discipline parents. Exactly. Right. We just chose not to, but we also didn't want to spare the rod of discipline with, right. to teach and train. And we didn't want to watch our children grow up spoiled or with poor character. Yeah. We wanted to train them in ways where they would understand there were consequences to their choices, good and bad. We wanted them to take responsibility for their actions and learn how to clean up their messes that they made in relationships because yeah. we wanted to have ways of disciplining in our home that would be great for the moment, but would also help them be prepared for when they were older in work environments or in relationships with coworkers or bosses and beyond. Um, so we learned, you know, that's, that's a challenging thing. And it's, it, what makes it even more challenging is that what worked for one child's personality might not work for another child's personality. Exactly. So um, I heard a dad the other day say, uh, my children had five different dads because he had five children. Yeah. Saying he was a different dad to each one of his children. Like each yeah. child knew him to be a different father. And that was because each one had different personalities and different ways that they needed him to parent them. So sometimes you might need to be really soft with one child and another one you need to be firm. Uh, yeah. Our oldest child was a child who, when we told her what the boundaries were, she would stay 10 feet away from them, right? Like she <laughs> yeah. avoided the boundaries. She wouldn't, and she would remind everybody else not to, not to go near them either. <laughs> yeah. 
know, and we just thought we had parenting down, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. made parenting easier. But when our youngest was born, she left us scrambling for our creative parenting tools. You know, <laughs> when we told her what the boundaries were, she sometimes liked to throw herself against the boundary over and over and over again, <laughs> which eventually after getting some support, you know, from a counselor, learned that actually some kids feel really safe when they do this. They, mm -hmm. they have this sense of like, it's still there. It's still there. I'm still safe. It's still there. But needless to say, that was <laughs> for us. And if you're listening and you're raising a brilliant, tenacious, and strong-willed child, I can relate to this. You know, and we got to a place where we, you know, everything we had tried wasn't working with her and we were losing our peace and we needed to find different ways to parent and discipline her and to set us all up for success. And I remember, you know, right around this time was when Mache was having a conference and, uh, you know, got the schedule and I was just digging through that schedule to find every single breakout session, every, you know, <laughs> session that was about getting some support, um, you know, for parenting and discipline and getting some support for ideas and resources about parenting and tools that would help us to, pa to parent this incredible tenacious one. Yeah. And um, thankfully, I really did. I walked away with some great tools, shared it with my husband. And um, there were some things we implemented at that time that really shifted our home environment. If you are okay with, I just wanna share some of those. Yeah. Yeah. First, can I just, I, I, there's something that you reminded when saying what you were saying that reminded me of something. I remember, man, years ago, our children were young and um, there was a study that was done. Uh, and I remember um, Dr. Dobson talking about it on Focus on the Family. Mm. And he was saying how they had put up this playground equipment in the middle of this field and, and um, told the kids, you can play anywhere you want to play. You just go have fun on this. And the kids stuck to the playground equipment and they didn't, you know, a few of them would wander a little bit, but not very far. And they, cause you know, but they just kind of just stuck on the playground equipment. And, but then they, the next time the, they brought the kids there, they had put a big fence around it and they said, now you can play anywhere you want within this fence. And kids were uh -huh. the fence. They were screaming and yelling and running and just having, it was so much more free because kids knew they could see physically the boundary that they could not cross mm -hmm. and they walked up to that boundary and they were climbing up on the boundary and they were looking <laughs> over the boundary but they were you know but they it there was the safety and freedom that they could just play because they knew what was expected of them That's and it just brought this like sense of like child childlike you know like just this freedom I guess is the only word to describe it and I just I find that to be just exactly what you were talking about just you know, it, there is a sense of safety that happens within boundaries. And I think sometimes we're afraid to have those up with our children, but it is important for them to know that they also, there's so much freedom in that and, and safety in that. And, um, and yeah. for them to have future relationships, if they want to have good, healthy future relationships, learning how to set their own boundaries so that they can have freedom and safety in those relationships as well. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, it was, it's challenging for parents who have children that, um, you know, throw themselves against the boundary. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's so important that there is consistency because the minute yeah. 
find out it's not there, it can cause a lot of additional issues. Yeah, whatever discipline style you choose to use, mm -hmm. don't be lazy with it. Be consistent. Yeah. I, you know, we don't like it when people, when we have to walk on eggshells around people because we aren't sure how they're going to react to something because one day they're in a good mood and so they react this way. Mm -hmm. The next day we do the exact same thing, but they got off on the wrong side of the bed and now they're reacting that way or, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what happens with children. Yeah. Too. You know, it's the same thing. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead with your tools. <laughs> I just want to share, I mean, this some of the tools that, you know, I was able to receive at that time from um, the sessions from mentor parents um, that we implemented really helped bring a more peaceful and loving environment. So I just wanted to share those today. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so one of them was keeping times of correction soft and the times of play loud. That's great. So as parents, we often get a bit frustrated, um, you know, that when our, our tools are not working and sometimes because of our frustration, you know, our, our connection can be loud. Yeah. But we didn't want that because it didn't bring peace in our home and it actually felt chaotic. So when right. we made this change, it was, uh, it really was very different. We were intentional about correct, uh, correction being soft and then making sure we added in playtimes as family that were loud. Sometimes kids want attention. And sometimes if we're busy or don't have playtime, the way they get it is by harsh correction. We didn't mm -hmm. want that. And so this really helped us to be mindful of correction, soft, playtimes loud. That's great. Yeah. And the other thing was a one to nine ratio. So this may seem extreme, but for every one correction, that we need to make with a child, think about having nine positive affirmations. Yeah. So this actually caused us to, uh, you know, have more positive things in that we saying than negative. It could it created an environment full of encouragement instead of corrections. And so that's another thing that really shifted our, our school environment. Um, yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah. Um, we have and it builds confidence in a child. Yeah, yeah, just but it also reminded me because I I felt mm -hmm. like because there were just it was just new and uh you know, it was challenging for me in that season that I felt like I was constantly noticing the negative things that I had to correct. But it's mm -hmm. me shift that to okay, you know, choose your battles but and, and make the correction soft, but make sure that the day is mostly filled with affirmations. So it really, really helped. I felt better as a mom and our environment really shifted. Yeah. Uh, another thing, another tool was having what's called an above and beyond chart. So it goes, it kind of is the same thing, which is gave me the opportunity of pointing out the positive things. Yeah. So instead of the negative. So every time they finish their work with a good attitude or when they were patient with their sibling or they did, they did their chores without being reminded, I could catch them, you know, and say, hey, you know, bravo, you get an above and beyond. And so then they would go and get a dry erase pen and mark off one of, I think we had like 25 squares on a laminated sheet of paper, which was their chart. Mm -hmm. When the chart was full, they got to choose an award. And, um, you know, another thing that was very helpful was, you know, one of the mentor moms had told me about making sure you knew your child's love language. Yes. You know their love language, you can fill their bucket, their love bucket really fast. And so, you know, one of our, 
one of our children, um, her love language was gifts. So it worked to have like an award that was maybe in a box of things that I had picked up that were on sale or little things that she loved uh, in this little box and she could choose one. But for my other daughter, that just, she was not, that just did not do it for her. So in, in her own box, I put like a, a one minute foot massage because her love language was, was touch. There you go. Physical touch. So like, you know, I'll massage your foot later. Or I'll give you a face mas- massage or tickle your back. Right. That was like her thing. Will you tickle my back? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So um, that above and beyond chart really helped us. Um, another thing that really helped us was being intentional about transition times. So times when dad came home or when all of us got home from, let's say, co-op or from our extra activities, transitions can be very stressful for some kids. Yes. Actually cause behavioral issues, especially if parents, um, you know, have kind of different styles of parenting or different things they bring into the family. So one yeah. counselor reminded us that you can't really be stressful and playful at the same time. You almost mm-hmm. choose one. And so to help us with these transition times, it was suggested that we intentionally lay down the cares of our day and took a moment to play. So sometimes we would grab, you know, plastic bowls from the kitchen and spoons and like we pretend like we were a marching band and march around our kitchen island. <laughs> like totally silly and singing until we were all laughing. And sometimes we would do our family dance that we had <laughs> created and choreographed together. Uh, sometimes it was doing a Can I just say real quick that I'm really sorry that this isn't a video because I would have totally have you demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my kids can sing it right now, but um, and, um, sometimes it was doing like an obstacle course outside just or taking a moment just to hop on skateboards or bikes to play before we moved into our evening routine. So that really helped like being intentional about transitioning, um, you know, into a place of joy. Right. Uh, I mentioned knowing our children's love language, so important. Uh, and yeah, I think that was, those were the tools that we were given at that time. And when we implemented them, it really helped our homeschool and environment. Yeah, that's wonderful. I know that um, I remember just like also for our family, a couple of things that really worked for us is we had a a jar and on the jar I would have graduated lines that I wrote different things so like the first one was um you get a you know a treat at home and then the next one was a treat out and then the next one was a family night at home and then the other one was family night out oh. and and so um it was kind of the same as your as your above and beyond chart mm-hmm. when I would catch them doing something you know something that that they didn't get asked to do or they had a good attitude about something or they were patient with each other, or they helped each other, or they picked up something like, like they noticed a toy on the floor, and they went and picked it up and put it away. Mm. Um, I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. Go put like three beans in the jar. And when they got to the first line, you know, and then we would do whatever that said. And um, it just in it, it, each line was different. And then we would just empty the jar out and start over again, you know, and um, it was just such a great way to kind of instill that really good positive behavior that you want to see in your children instead of constantly correcting them. Like, why didn't you help your sister be more patient, do this, do that, you know? And it's like, you do need to point those things out, but if you're focusing on, 
hey, listen, if we all work together, I mean, one person is never going to get this jar filled up enough to where we can actually do something. But if we all work together and we're all mindful, then, you know, we can go ahead and, and, we, and we can all enjoy something. You know, we all get to have a treat. We all get to go out for ice cream. We all get to um, have a movie night with pizza in, in, in the, at the house. Or we all get to go miniature golfing or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. And it's just, it's just such a cool thing. And the other thing, I had a friend one time who was like, you know, well, when they do something wrong, do you have them take beans out? And I'm like, no, right. no, because it's, it's not that it's not about that. It's about, you know, just when they, when they aren't behaving the way that you would like them to behave and you need to correct them, mm-hmm. do that. But it never, it, that, that jar is for when I notice things, when we noticed things about each other or, um, yeah. And it just, it was just a cool, positive experience. Um, well, I mean, because, go ahead. Like positive consequences to good behavior. Yes. It's positive reinforcement yeah. and super important. And, and transitions also, the other thing is, you know, oftentimes, and, and they'll say this in schools too, is that when you're transitioning from one thing to another is when you can expect a child, you know, certain children, you know, that they're going to act up when you have to line them up to go to the library or line them up to go to the lunchroom or line, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's the same at home. We aren't lining them up to go do things, but when we're stopping for our morning and going into lunchtime, or if we're going to go to a doctor's appointment, or if we're going to go to a music lesson, or, and we have to leave the house for that, setting yourself up for success is making that transition as smooth as possible. So giving them like, Hey, in 15 minutes, we're going to have to leave. What are some things you need to have with you in order for it? We're going to be going to music lessons. You're going to need your music book. You're going to need, you know, remember last night we got all that together. So it's over by the door. Make sure you have everything there, you know, that kind of thing. And just planning ahead for those transitions as much as you possibly can to make your day smoother, to make their day smoother and, and to um, allow yourselves just to be able to transition with joy as much as possible. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I, um, you know, I had other things, but I'm just looking at time. I really want to keep this, you know, not much longer. And I know that you want to do that too. I just, I just want to say kind of, um, you know, before we end our time, just remember that there's no such thing as a perfect earthly parent. That's true. There's just really no such thing as a perfect parent. I know that we were very invested in our kids not struggling as much as, as we had struggled. And so, you know, in some ways, we just really wanted it. To, to go well, we wanted to be at our best. But as you know, as my husband and I look back at our time of homeschooling and parenting, really all we could do was our best. And we did that with the tools that we had. Exactly. And it's okay that there will still be some things that our kids will do differently. Mm-hmm. I like to joke with them because they're both adults now, they're 22 and 26. I could tell them that, hey, it's, you know, it's your turn now to take what you were given and improve on it. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. Do better. Uh, and, you know, just remember there's really only one perfect parent and that's really God. And when we're exhausted and, or, or when we have tried to do our best and it seems like it, it wasn't just remember that he's, he's really not done with your kids or with us. He can heal the areas of our children's hearts that we couldn't reach. And he can even correct any area that we feel like we might've missed. So, um, 
it's it's okay. Just do yeah. your best. That's all you can do. There is really no such thing other than God, you know, a father that's perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect earthly parent. That's so true. Hey, Rochelle, before we go, I just want to ask you to share a little bit more about your books. Oh, thanks, Dale. And your website, just yeah. real quick. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I currently have two books out that do address the topic of feelings. The first one is Think of Good Things. It lightly addresses fear and then shifts the focus off of fear and onto the good things in life. So it's, you know, for my, my customers, they share that it's a great book to read at bedtime or nap time or anytime you just want to think about good things. This book is for ages zero through eight or for anyone who has ever felt a bit afraid. Yeah. My second book is Gotta Give It to God. Um, I wrote this book to introduce uh, children to the topic of feelings and emotions from a faith-based perspective. So it touches on things throughout a child's day that might cause them to feel different feelings, like when the milk spills at breakfast or when they can't tie their shoe or when they get their clothes stuck on their heads and they can't get their arms <laughs> Right? So this book is for ages zero through eight or for anyone who has ever had a hard day. So um, purchase of books includes a free download downloadable audiobook and companion children's song. So these are great for homeschool families with different age children. Uh, I have uh, homeschooling parents that connect with me and say, hey, my two-year-old's learning to read because the audiobook has page prompts. Or, you know, sometimes when we're having a hard day, we just throw Gotta Give It to God the song on and we all just kind of listen to it and laugh. So just know that those those are free resources that are available when you purchase the book. And you can check out the books on my website, thinkofgoodthings.com. And there are many different purchasing options on that, including, uh, you know, links to Amazon, christianbook.com, Barnes and Noble. And there's even an author link available that uh, if you purchase your books through that, it allows me to connect with you. I can sign books, I can personalize them, I wrap them, and then I can mail them to the person of your choice. So you might have purchased it, but you want to send it to your cousin who's in a totally different state. Um, I can do that for you. So there's lots of choices. Isn't that an amazing Christmas opportunity, you all? <laughs> like, think about the gifts that you need to buy, like for nieces, nephews, grandkids, you know, um, just children that are in your life and families that are in your life that you just want to bless and, and to have, re have them receive a signed book with a download that their child can do an audio book with or, or, and have a song as well. And, and it's signed by the author and it's wrapped individually and it's shipped to their home. I mean, what a cool opportunity um, for that child and, and, to, and to it's, it's instilling eternal values, which we love. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Rochelle, I just, I have like felt so spoiled over this time of just being able to talk with you so much. And I just am so grateful for you. And thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy life to, uh, to just talk to the homeschool families of Minnesota and just to encourage them and to share your story and to be vulnerable and to, and to just um, share with us who you are. And I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an honor, Dale. Thank you. All right. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. And to my listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. 
And just know that um, if you need anything, you just info at mache.org and they, we are there to help you. Um, we are here to uh, be a good resource for you. Um, yeah, that is our purpose at Mache is to just be here for homeschooling families. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, keep your eyes open for more, more podcasts this summer coming out to get you ready for your school year, to get you set up for success. Um, you guys all have a wonderful, beautiful summer day. And we'll talk to you in a little while. Bye-bye.